Good morning. My name is Dave Cuthrell. I'm one of the elders here at DFCC. I'm honored and surprised to be here on stage this morning. So, Tuesday, November 11th at 2.48 p.m. I'm at my desk working as usual, and I get a text. Ding! It's Josh Phillips. Hi, Dave. I wanted to ask if you would be available, willing to preach on Sunday, November 14th. Wow. I immediately text back. You did send this to the right Dave, question mark. Josh responds, yes, with a happy face. A little back and forth, and I ask, what should the message be about? Answer, I want you to preach on whatever God puts on your heart for the church. Well, here it is. Real world challenges to our faith. Real world challenges to our faith. Well, what is faith? Pastor Jay Mahan defines it this way. We do our part so that God can do his part. Another slightly longer way we do what the Lord instructs us to do so that he can change us for the better, better for ourselves, our families, and our community. This morning, I want to share with you from my life and from my understanding four real-world challenges to living out our faith so that God in the persons of the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit can do their part. Faith challenge number one. Guess what that is? Sin. Sin. Would you agree there is a sin problem? I define sin as anything that separates us from God. This is what Jesus says about sin, about sin in John 8, 33 to 34. They answered him, they being the multitude or the people that Jesus was preaching to. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, how is it that we fall into sin? Not just a sin, but many little and not so little sins. Well, sin is usually the result of temptation. We all experience temptation. Here's a thought that I use regularly, sometimes daily, when I know that I am being tempted. Potiphar's wife 
Potiphar's wife. That's right. When I'm feeling tempted to do something I know is wrong, but I might enjoy, I say to myself, Potiphar's wife. As I'm taking the action that that thought inspires, I am at the same time thanking God and the Holy Spirit. Most of you know the reference to Potiphar's wife. If you do not, it's a good read in Genesis 39. Joseph's complete story takes 23 chapters to tell. Now, circumstances find Joseph with a great responsibility. Potiphar was a ranking member of Pharaoh's government. Joseph finds favor with Potiphar, who trusts him with the day-to-day management of his large household. Well, scripture tells us that Joseph was well-built and handsome. Potiphar's wife took notice and invited him to her bed on several occasions. Joseph always refused. Well, one day he got trapped, alone with her. She grabbed him by his cloak with obvious intent. What did the well-built, handsome Joseph do? Well, Genesis 39.12 tells us. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. When tempted, Do what Joseph did. Flee. Don't dally. Don't take a little taste of whatever you are being tempted by. You're not that strong. I'm not that strong. Flee. So I say to myself, silently of course, Potiphar's wife. Try it sometime. James, the brother of Jesus, has this to say about temptation in James 1, 14 to 15. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Sin, which follows temptation, is indeed a faith challenge. Another challenge that Pastor Josh speaks of often is our wrong approach to God in our relationship with him. We all too often think we must bring something, good behavior, good works, If this is the case, then why Jesus? Why are we here this morning? 
There is a simple answer. His work on the cross. Max Licato sums it up this way. Observe what Jesus does with our filth. He carries it to the cross. The apostle Paul says it this way in his second letter to the church in Corinth. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. One of the best illustrations I have heard regarding the sufficiency of the cross comes from Alistair Begg, a pastor in Cleveland, Ohio. When Jesus was crucified, there were two other crosses, one to the right of Jesus and one to the left. Both of these men were common criminals. Mark identifies them as robbers. Luke tells us that one of them recognized that Jesus did not belong on the cross and said to him, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, Alistair's main point in his uh, sermon that I listened to and, and as this illustration comes from, Alistair's main point is that if we are asked right now, this morning, to know we are saved, any answer in the first person is grievously wrong. Because I believe, because I have faith, because I, I, I know the only answer is in the third person because of him. Well, the illustration goes this way. Alistair is thinking of the thief on the cross. He says he can't wait to look him up one day when heaven and ask him, how did you make it? You've never been baptized. You've never been to Bible study. You don't know anything about church membership, yet you made it. You made it. How did you make it? The angel at the gate must have said, what are you doing here? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Well, because I don't know. Well then, let me get the supervisor angel. Well, the supervisor angel shows up. Just a few questions. First, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? I don't know. I never heard of that in my life. Well, 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 well then, what about the doctrine of scriptural formation? This is a blank, the guy just stares. Just, uh, blank stare. Eventually, in frustration, the supervising angel says, well, on what basis are you here? He said, 
the man on the middle cross said I could come. That's the only answer. A third faith challenge that we deal with on a daily basis is putting God first. Putting God first. I'm proposing to you this morning that putting God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit first in our lives and our decisions is an issue of perspective. Dare I say it, but I am going to. God is not as small as we think. In this regard, I'm as guilty as many of you. Sure, I know what scripture says. I truly believe that God literally spoke creation into existence. God is not contained within the universe. We cannot, we cannot understand or even begin to phantom that heaven is somewhere other than within the galaxies. When I think of the majesty of God, I think what the night sky looks like when there's no city to dim the brightness. Our downy night sky fails miserably to remind us of creation. Just how powerful is God? What holds you back? Is it something as simple as an Old Testament story? One that just, well, it's not believable. After all, we have science and we have our own experience with reality. One of the best, here's an example of a well-known story. One of the best parts is described in Jonah, chapter 1, verse 17. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Now we're rational people. Does this story in some way contribute to doubting some of the Bible and holding us back to be all in for Jesus? Just a week ago, Friday, Roberta and I were in our car coming into Downey for our small growth group. Not, that's not small, for our growth group. We often listen to KKLA or K-Wave on the radio. These are two local Christian stations. K-Wave was broadcasting a, a, one of Pastor Chuck Smith's sermons. He was talking about the difficulty, uh, the difficult passages in the Bible, such as the story of Jonah. Chuck Smith said, a God who created the universe and all that is in it could certainly create a large fish that could swallow a man and keep him alive for three days. <clears throat> Chuck also said, 
And I think this is good advice, that he kept a file in his office of all the passages that he did not understand. The famous Chuck Smith didn't understand it all. And he sets that aside, and he sets his doubts aside until he could get answers as a resident of heaven. The final faith challenge for this morning is the totally unexpected. Totally unexpected. Are you ready for it? It's guaranteed by no less person than Jesus that we will have unexpected tragedy in our lives. Jesus tells us in John 16.33, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I'm positive that everyone listening to my voice this morning can share a story of the unexpected. <clears throat> I'll try not to choke up on this one. Our dear friend, Carla Riley Galbraith, who was a member here from her childhood <clears throat> until her marriage, was diagnosed about three months ago at age 60 with a large cancerous brain, <clears throat> brain tumor. Unexpected faith challenge diagnosis, not only for Carla, but for Russ, her sons, Brian and Andrew, their wives, and five grandchildren. Then there's the totally unexpected betrayal of a spouse. Another, excuse me, another example is someone that Roberta and I know who went from her, for her usual routine chiropractic adjustment and literally one second, her life has changed forever. Just three ex examples that are real, not hypothetical. I'm certain that you can add your own to the list. Why do these things happen to people who belong to the Lord? Well, that's another message. Are you prepared? Faith is doing your part so that God can do his part Exercising your faith in all of its aspects will prepare you. Peter, the burly fisherman who blundered his way into sainthood, tells us in 1 Peter 5.8. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Well, in closing, I'd like to thank Pastor Josh for this opportunity to share with you what's on my heart 
regarding living out my faith. There are challenges. It's not easy. Jesus made it clear that it would not be. What Jesus does offer us is a solution, an answer, an answer to our foibles, our doubts, and our inadequacies. He simply said, come unto me. Come unto me. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Well, let's do something a bit unorthodox. I'm going to pray, but before I do so, please stand. Now, turn your back to me. Look up to the rear of our worship center. If you like, take someone's hand. And gaze upon Jesus. Father, our focus right now is upon Jesus, our Lord and Savior. May we bring to him in this moment all that is in our hearts, our joys and our sorrows, our hopes and our fears. Jesus is the one we seek even when we are looking for answers outside of his glory, mistakenly persuaded that the right solution is somewhere or someone other than Jesus. It is Jesus we are seeking. May the Holy Spirit turn us back to him in all circumstances, especially in our relationships. Father God, we stand before you this morning, acknowledging that our focus is so easily taken off of you. We are quick to be distracted from your will and even from your love. So it is with repentant hearts that we come before you. Just as the light coming through this window shows us Jesus, his arms stretched out, ready to embrace each person here. Your eternal glory infuses, infuses all creation. Out of your infinite love and grace, you continually bless us, even as we fail to honor your commands in our imperfection. Thank you, O oh Lord, for Jesus who covered our imperfections 
with his life. Praise to you that Jesus reigns with you, Father. We look forward with great anticipation to the time when we will be with you and Jesus in eternity you have planned for us. May the words of Jesus come unto me be etched in our hearts. Glory, honor, and adoration be unto your name.